Good morning. Everybody can hear me okay? Rob, I'm going to be a little off-lib when we start, okay, so hang tight. So I'm going to start with a question um, I'd like us all to think about. So remember when you were in elementary school, you had, you know, they call them now specials. There's like gym, right? There's art. And I want to focus most on art here this morning. Um, we have the privilege of having six children in my family, and all of them have gone through art classes in elementary school, and all of them have made creations. So I want you to go back in time to when you were in school and think about a creation that you made, that maybe you brought home to your parents, that they really liked. Maybe they even some of them still have. I have a, my oldest son is 29 years old, and I still have a thing that he made out of popsicle sticks that I keep on my uh, desk that I put uh, some pens and pens. So think about it. I just want to take a minute and think about a creation that you've made with your hands. We do have art teachers in the mix. We have artists in the mix here at our church. We've been very blessed by people who are artistic. Uh, they do say that there's an artist in all of us. I think mine is a little deeper down than others. Some are a little more. But I want you to think about that. Uh, just think about artistry and artistic things that you've done. And maybe share it with somebody next door. So let's find somebody nearby. And just describe it with maybe a noun. We don't need six weeks about how, how long it took you to do, but maybe what, what it was. And maybe ten words or less. Ten Something that you've made that you were proud of at the time, okay? My 29-year-old son I don't think would be proud of his little popsicle stick construction. Okay, I think some of you are struggling with 10 words. So if I could bring it back in, if I could bring it back in, okay? So as I've mentioned to you in the past, um, on several occasions, my family and I have had the privilege of living in the country of Turkey for many years, in the late 1990s and early 2000s. We've also enjoyed being able to go back to Turkey many times since. Now, one of the things that the country of Turkey is famous for is its pottery. Ceramics play an important role in the history and culture of the country of Turkey. One can go to Turkey and see a Turkish artist take soft clay and shape it on a potter's wheel and mold it into something much more beautiful and useful than it ever had been before. One can visit the Grand Bazaar and you can see some of these bowls and vases that we have up there. Now speaking of pottery, what I wanted to bring your attention to is back to this artist within us. That's something I believe that God put in all of us because it's from him and who he is. So in God's word, he uses different images to describe himself. So speaking of pottery, one of the things he does is he describes himself as a potter, one who takes our lives and molds them into something beautiful and useful to bring attention to himself as the artist of our transformed lives. One of those images of pottery we read in Isaiah 64, 8, yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay, you're the potter, we are the work of your hands. Now another one of those images God uses about himself is that of a gardener. Do you have any green thumbs in the audience here? Any people? Okay. I'm among the plant killers. Do you have any plant killers in the audience here today? Okay. Um, Brian mentioned this in, in, you know, about the succulents that he made that went over to Christ's home. But this image that God uses of himself as a gardener is someone who tends a garden, specifically a vineyard of grapevines. This gardener takes care of that vineyard so it will produce the most and best fruit that it can. Today we're going to look at God the Father as the gardener in our lives who is caring for us. We're in the middle of a sermon series entitled Abide. Two weeks ago, Pastor Brian opened up that series, sharing from John chapter 15, how Jesus is the true vine, the Father is the gardener, 
and that Jesus invites us all to abide in him. We were encouraged to, to understand that abiding in him means being with him and a communion with God. We were encouraged to abide. Last week, Pastor Brian continued in the Abide series again from John 15. This time he focused on this fruit that you talk about on the vine, this spiritual fruit, and what it means for us to be spiritually fruitful. We were encouraged to ensure that we have fruit in our lives, this spiritual fruit, and that it's real, it's something that we're cultivating, and it's something other people can see in us. Today I'm going to continue in that Abide series, and I too am going to be sharing from John 15. This time I'm going to be focused on the pruning process. So very similar to how the potter will shape that piece of clay, we're going to talk about how the gardener will shape the branches. I'll be encouraging us to recognize that pruning is a good thing for us and to appreciate the spiritual fruit that it produces in our lives. Next week, Pastor Brian's going to finish out the series. He's going to be sharing again in John 15, but he's going to focus on how we nourish ourselves through God's word and through prayer. So don't miss out. Come here and hear the end. So please turn with me in your Bible or your Bible app on your phone or your smart device. We're going to look at John chapter 15. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 8. They're going to be up on the screen if you want to follow along. Starting in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus continues in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So this morning, Pastor Brian covered a few of these areas. I'm going to focus just on this pruning process. I'm going to start us back to the beginning of the passage where it talks about God as the Father, the gardener. Now what's interesting is if you look at the book of John, you start from the beginning, you get all the way up to almost near the end here, there's different images and analogies and metaphors that Jesus has been using to describe himself as Pastor Brian, and even also to describe his father. And the, those images mostly focus around this loving care for people that God has. Now he's going to bring our attention to one of a gardener. This term that's used here is a gardener who specializes in caring for grapes and vines on which they grow. Now grapevines are different when you think about gardening. They're different than most of the annual crops in that they produce fruit for decades rather than a single season. In fact, if you have a well-tended grapevine, does anybody have any idea how many years a grapevine can produce fruit? Is it, what? 900. 900, no, not 900. <laughs> it's a good guess. Some say 50, 75, even 100 years. Now what's interesting is, as you think about our lives and the way that, that God is using this as an analogy, many of us live 50, 75, even 100 years. So when God is the gardener of our lives, it's that he's starting at the beginning of our lives when we encounter him and start following him. And just like the gardener here is going to prune these vines for the rest of their lives, God is going to be engaged in our lives, in our growth, until we, we go and meet him in glory. Now a gardener that specializes in these grapes is familiar with each of the vines and how they're doing from year to year and understands what special care they need for them to be as fruitful as they can. The gardener will prop them up from the ground 
tie them up against the trestles, take measures to protect them against the insects and diseases. The branches are well cared for by the gardener. Why? So they can produce fruit year over year over year. So here Jesus describes this overall care that the father gives as a gardener, but he also highlights this specific caring function of pruning. That's where we want to turn our attention. In the world of horticulture, pruning grapevines involves removing older parts of the vine that did not produce fruit, removing weaker parts of the vine that don't seem to be producing any fruit, and cutting back pieces of some of the newer parts of the vine to allow proper spacing for them to be able to grow and produce an abundance of fruit. So getting rid of the old that doesn't cut it anymore, getting rid of the ones that never really did anything, and then making some space for that. What's the result of this pruning process? The result is that there's enough sunlight and water that are going to go to the parts of the vine that are fruitful and make them even more productive. One doesn't want to have a fruitless branch or a dead branch sucking off any energy to keep it from the others, nor does one want these little sucker things that are shooting off of the good branches sapping the strength that it could use to produce the fruit. So the gardener in the vineyard has this responsibility on a continual basis to cut these off and to cut things back. When in verse 2 it mentions that every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful, the term he uses for pruning here is the only time we ever see it in the New Testament. It's the first time and the last time we see this word. And the word is interesting. It has some connotations to it. Obviously, it means removing these useless parts that we talked about, getting rid of those undesirable parts to bear more fruit. And it also talks about even eliminating this mixture of things that are side by side and maybe a fruitful thing and an unfruitful thing where they get in the way of each other. But there's also a deeper metaphorical use of this word. It's about an inner cleansing to get rid of those impure things in one's life that are the source of guilt and shame. When we first come to Christ, he takes away that guilt and shame. But as we continue to walk in Christ, there's still things that we think, say, and do that produce that. And so it's a process of this inner cleansing day over day that he does that. Now, the result of this inner cleaning is it prevents those fruitless things in our lives from creating more guilt and shame in our future. It gives us opportunities for us to be helpful to ourselves and to other people. That's really the goal of pruning, is to help us and help others. It also serves as a sense of protection and care. Sometimes I think we think pruning is a sense of punishment. But rather than punishment, we want to be able to think of it as a sense of protection. It gives us a sense of relief rather than regret. So pruning is something that's done with care. And in fact, there's this concept of having things that kind of entangle us. And we see the writer of Hebrews uses some similar figurative language later on. He talks about we're going to run a race. And he says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The idea here in running a race is that you want to have the least amount of things that could cause you to slow down. You run and run as fast a race as you can. In fact, some, some runners will actually, you'll see they'll, they'll, they'll shave their legs, they'll wear certain head things, they'll do whatever they can in order to really achieve the highest speed. And here the same concept is God is going to take care of all those things in our lives to be able to give us the best chance to have a fruitful life that's productive and useful for him. But it does ask a hard question when we start to think about this pruning process. Why does God have to prune us? Why does he prune us? Now, one reason he does that is because we're his, we're his own. 
He does it because he loves us. Just a few verses later in in that chapter 12 of Hebrews, we read in verses 5 and 6, he said, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because God disciplines the ones he loves. He chastises everyone he accepts as a son. So I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to uh, go to a How many people have been to a kid's birthday party? Okay? Kid's birthday parties, okay? And you're at that kid's birthday party, and there's other kids there who are not your own, and some of them decide to do some things that you don't think are really useful or helpful for other children. What do you feel the temptation to do at that time? Right? Maybe say something or do something, but at that time, really the appropriate thing to do, for those of you who are not sure, is to not say or do anything. Maybe you talk to the parent, but your job is not to discipline someone else's child. Okay, that's the parent's job. In the same way here, as we look at this thing, it is God the Father who's the one who takes care of us, his children. He will the one who correct us. He will the one who disciplines us. He will the one to take care of those things in our lives. He is the one who takes care of us. Now, another reason why that God prunes us is that he cares about us and wants the best for us. So I want you to think about what happens if the gardener does not cut off the dead parts and does not cut off the other parts that aren't working so well. What will happen to that vineyard, right? It will become chaotic. It will have all things, it will look like a proverbial tangled mess. It will be unkept. And we've seen that sometimes in people's lives. We've seen people who are, are, who are not cared for, who are far from God, who just are kind of living their own ways. And what happens is things start to trip them up. They get into troubles and challenges that they can't get out of. And God has no desire for that for us. When we start to walk with him, he continues to walk by us day by day by day. Instead, God wants us to be a well-kept vineyard, producing as much fruit as possible, and he's about making us more useful through this pruning process. Now, he cuts off and cuts back those things in our lives to be useful, but I want to think about what are those things in our lives that keep us from thinking about God, hearing from him, um, and just engaging with him. So how many of you have a smartphone or device with you? Okay. So I'd like you to pull it out right now. I'd like you to take it out, and there's a section, and it depends on which platform you're working on, that will let you know how much time you've been spending on it and where have you been spending your time. Okay, for those of you who maybe have an iOS, it's a thing called screen time, and then you can take a peek, and you can see where your attention has been drawn over this past week. They have a daily view, they have a weekly view, and you can see kind of where your attention has been drawn That's not a bad thing. I mean, God gives us these devices to connect with each other. We just looked on this device at the Bible app to look to be able to read his word. So the last thing I want you to do is get the wrong impression about the desire for a device. The devices are good things. They've enabled us to stay connected to each other, to be able to communicate with each other, to learn new things, to grow new things. But also it's fascinating, I would say, if you look at our culture and our time right now, the number one thing that we spend time on our phone is social media. So the last thing I'm going to do up here is say that social media is good, bad, or indifferent. Because it's not the thing itself, is that is what am I not doing when I'm on social media? So it's not what social media makes me do, is what social media prevents me from doing. So these are distractions. So God, when he talks about this pruning process, it's not just a matter of, I'm going to get through the three ways he does it. But when we get into that section, I want you to think about this is a lot about where our attention is, what kind of distractions we have, 
What are the things in our lives that he does? So what does this mean for us? What does this whole pruning process mean for us? So last week, Pastor Brian explained that there are different types of branches. One type that he mentioned was connected, was not connected, and therefore not bearing any fruit. Okay, that's the bottom one, a non-Christian. He also mentioned there are types of branches that appear to be connected, but they're almost not bearing any fruit. That's kind of a fake Christian. We'll talk about that here in a second. And then the last type he mentioned was a connected one. I'm going to unpack that a little bit more. But Pastor Brian explained last week how God the Father prunes the genuine Christians and described that one as those who are not just in church, but that are in Christ. And I want to expand on that a bit more this week to help us understand what it means to be this difference between cut off from God and cut back by God. And I want to use two words. One that we use as a theme of our series is called abide. And another word that sounds similar to it in terms of some of the language there is deride. It's not a common term so much, but it, it kind of gives us a strong sense of what happens to those who abide and those of us who deride. So I just want to walk through these a little bit. So if we think of a world, the world of, the, the world of God and our relationship to him, right, if that comes to our mind and we spend time dwelling on that, then we're abiding. And when we're abiding, he's going to prune us. However, if, if, if we begin to think God is of no value to us, and it's ridiculous to have a relationship to him, then we're deriding God, and he will have no part of us. If we speak highly of God and our love for him, then we're abiding, and then he will prune us. However, if we have a low opinion of God and even have a contempt for him, then we're deriding him and we'll be cut off from him. So God doesn't go around and inspect all the branches of a lot of things. It's pretty clear. You can see what a dead branch is. I don't know how many of you have had a tree or a bush or whatever, and you have a dead branch. You pretty much touch it, and it pretty much falls off. It cracks off because it's, it's not connected. It's not, not only bearing any fruit, but it has no desire to be connected anymore. It's all on its own. And that's why we see here in these verses, in John chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. But every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so it will be more fruitful. So the difference here is that if we are abiding in God, he will prune us. And for those who are deriding him, he will cut them off. And our heart's desire here is that you today will seek to have a relationship with God, be connected with him, just like and abide in him. And we have a verse that kind of is, gives a great promise in this area from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, the same in the Lord, and all is richly blessed who call on him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. May today be the day you call on the name of the Lord and be saved. That's our heart's desire. Now for those of us who have been saved, who are walking with him, how does this pruning process play out in our everyday life? What does it look like? So what I can tell you before I go that we've seen there's times that maybe there's a revelation that happens in someone's life, but it doesn't necessarily happen to be transformation. So we want to make sure for those of us who are transformed that we are headed in that direction. So there's three ways that God prunes us. The first of those is through our convictions. Okay? Our convictions are really just the things that we make choices about. Um, there are questions where I say, what about me? These are areas in our lives where we learn as we study God's word and we see where we miss the mark as he put forth in his word. Pastor Brian's going to delve into this a little more next week 
as he gets into the details. But there's a verse in chapter, uh, chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse 12. It says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. So when many of us started following Christ, um, we brought some baggage in our old lives, old habits, old attitudes, old ways of thinking about others and ourselves. And these were some, but when we first came to start to follow God, he, some of them he immediately removed from our lives. It's pretty crazy, this transformation. So I'll just talk about in my own life, um, two such examples. One example, and my mom is here today, and she will attest to this if you want to talk to her afterwards. When I first came to Christ, I really had a bad attitude towards my parents. I saw them as a burden rather than a blessing in my life, a source of oppression rather than support, uh, and I was often disrespectful. And so I saw immediately how God changed my view of my parents and how I treated them, and he moved that from disrespect to respect and honor. Another example of my life is how I even viewed my friends and the relationship I had with them. He, God provided a different orientation. I went from being that proverbial taker to a giver. I went from being somebody who would take advantage of people and circumstances to one where God changed my heart to see that he designed me to be a giver in those circumstances. However, there's a lot of other aspects of my character that God has chosen not to take away at that initial point of starting to follow him. We're not going to go through all these here today. Uh, we do have a bit of time, <laughs> gravity of time, but I just want to highlight there's a difference. There's some that we get kind of immediate relief from that can still crop up with some other, and other ones that maybe are processed over time. And I'll just give you one example of that, and that's how I view and pursue money. Uh, when I first came to Christ, I was still uh, an aspiring young professional, still am, and I saw that money was a way for me to really acquire it, um, use it for my own gain, use it for the things about myself. And over time, through reading God's Word, um, in fact, there's probably, if you want to do a study this week, there's more verses about money in the Bible than any other topic. So you'll, you'll, have, you'll have months of study to do. But what I've learned through learning some of these verses and God's Spirit working in my heart is that God has given me a view and perspective on money that I need not to find more ways to spend it on myself, but find more ways to give it to others. So I just want to pause right now, and this is a, not a question to share with your neighbor, but it's a rhetorical one. So as you think about this pruning process in your own life, and the first way that God uses pruning is through convictions, what are those things in your life that God has changed immediately when you started to follow him? And what's one of those things that maybe he's starting to work on over time, chipping away? What are those things he's teaching you through his word? What verses is God bringing to light in your life to be able to learn about him and yourself? God uses his word as one of those pruning shears. He applies it with skill to shine light into those areas of our lives to promote that growth so we can have maximum productivity for him. He wants to eliminate anything in our lives that may restrict that growth. And through his word, God shows us where we've missed it so we begin to live in a way that truly pleases him. So as we read his word, his, it contains that cleansing power I talked about earlier that causes us to have a desire to be more like him. So I said that God, the Father, prunes us through convictions. The second way he prunes us is through circumstances. Now this is a hard one, because this one is the one that I think we struggle with the most because it asks the question, why me? Why me? Because typically these circumstances are difficulties we encounter in life. They're ones that involve suffering and loss. They're ones that don't necessarily make sense to those around us. And we experience these very difficult circumstances in our life. 
it can do one of two things. It can really sharpen our focus in our lives, or it can really blur and dull it. I'll talk about two situations that happened in my life. They're quite dramatic. Um, so you don't need to have dramatic experiences like these in order to kind of get that focus of blurring. But I'll talk about them very briefly, and then I'll, I'll just share a little bit about even from Jesus and what he learned. So one of those is uh, May 11, 2016. I've shared on several occasions. I had the privilege of dying of a heart attack. Um, sudden cardiac death. Jerry's here today. If you want to talk to Jerry, he can tell you about the story. Jerry was right there with me and was part of the group that used an AED. That, and God miraculously brought me back to life and gave me a second physical life at this time. Um, you know, why me? Why at that time? Yeah, thanks. Like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but, I, I, you know, another one was um, a couple years after that, I learned I had cancer. And I had to struggle through that as well. Um, both of those obviously served to sharpen my focus. Um, there's been a lot of other hard circumstances that my, 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 myself and my family have experienced. Um, but they don't have to be dramatic circumstances in order for us to begin to question why me. They can be as simple as like, why did my car pass inspection? God knows I don't have enough money this month to do that. You know, why, why did I, I don't know, why did you even get a paper cut? Like now this bothered me all day long. I mean, it could be as little as things like there's things that happen to us that, again, go back and distract us, right? Um, so they can be as dramatic as a heart attack or cancer. They could be as small as just little nuances that happen in our lives. But at the end of the day, God is using these circumstances we experience to prune us because it exposes what's happening in our heart. What happens in my heart comes out of my mouth. And those words from my mouth, whether they be based in anger or frustration, really show areas that he's still processing with me and helping me learn. And the end of the day, difficult circumstances that we have in our lives, the ones that are more difficult, draw us one way or another. They either draw us to getting closer to God or drawing farther away from him. And the way that we draw close to him is that we talk to him. We ask those questions why. We ask those questions for help. I often say there's many prayers that God always answers, and one of those prayers is, God, help me. So as you experience these difficult circumstances in your life, you know, what is it that you're praying for right now? What are those circumstances in your life that God has brought to the front of your life right now that make you more thinking about him and dependent on him? For some of you, you may have gone the other way right now. You may have said, look, God doesn't care. He's disengaged. And you may be discouraged. So I want to encourage you at this time that the place where you need the comfort, the place where you need support, the place where you need solutions is the same place you're leaning away from at this time. And that's the dichotomy that we have. The place where we need him most is where we feel the furthest from him at times. God the Father prunes us, I said, through convictions, through these circumstances, and the last place he pruned us in is through challenges. And the question that's often around challenges is, what about them? What about them, God? I can talk about these challenges. What are they? Because it's a little bit of an ambiguous way to describe things. These challenges are times and places where God challenges us to step out in ways that are where we're unsure, feel inadequate, or completely outside of our comfort zone. And there's plenty of examples throughout the Scripture. You can go to Moses, you can go to Gideon, there's a bunch of places. But in your own life, there's times where God is asking you to lean in. To lean into a circumstance with the gifts and abilities and life experiences that you have to be helpful and useful, to be fruitful for other people. So what I can tell you in my own life, these challenges have typically come in relationships with God seeking me to relate to somebody in a supernatural way 
or to serve someone who's clearly not deserving of it. As we sang just a few minutes ago, God, lead us in the way in your love to those around us. Well, in those around us, we happen to have people, for example, who are very hard to relate to and really difficult to engage with. So there may be times where God is drawing you into that relationship to put you there in order to be a blessing to that person, even if they're really a burden to you. There may be times where God is asking you to forgive somebody for something they've said or done, even though they've never asked for it. There may be times where God is asking you to give of your time, and then in my case we talked about this money thing, right? To someone who really doesn't deserve it. Maybe they're just going to fritter it away. These are those challenges I'm talking about. These are those challenges that God uses as part of his pruning process. God walks us through those challenges through his spirit, and God can attest to God's spirit will give you the desire to walk through that challenge, and he will give you the discipline to follow through. So what I want to do now is just kind of as we conclude, I want to take us back to the potter who's working on this clay. And consider the beautiful vases and bowls that are a result of that shaping process. Rob, can you go back to the, the potter thing again? This is pruning. This is him shaping, working in our lives. Next slide. This is the result of that in your life. The hard thing is, is that we didn't even go through not only the shaping, but if you might remember about pottery, and likewise with pruning, both of those involve something that's unpleasant. With pottery, it is the kiln, right? So where the clay feels the heat. And then with the, with the pruning, obviously when you cut something, it hurts. So if you're being pruned at this time, either through your God's word, through some new convictions, through some hard circumstances, through challenges, and it doesn't hurt, it's probably not pruning. And you're not going to be able to get something that looks as beautiful as this without going through that shaping process. God is working to remove those things in our lives that will not be useful to him or to ourselves. It's God who would, but I want to just stop here and I just want to make sure that you understand just whether it's the potter or the pruner, all those things involve the clay's not really doing much. It's just being molded. The branch isn't very doing much. It's really being shaped. Okay, so this isn't about do on our part. This is about what's being done in our lives. So it's not through our grit or our grind, but it's through our humility and willingness to be transformed. Just like we said here, it's God who transforms our lives. Our lives have a variety of ever-present distractions that keep us from living the life God designed for us. When we leave those distractions, as we talked about a little while, and channel our time and resource into him, he is the one will that be able to kind of take care of that. So what I would say, it is more of the green thumb of the gardener than the grit of the branch that produces the fruit. Just like it is the potter who shapes the clay, produces the beautiful phases. What I can tell you is now as we get to the end here, you know, I wish that pruning was just kind of intermittent and once in a while, okay? Kind of say, oh, well, I've been through that. I'm glad that's over. Like, I'm glad the process, you know, I need a break from this pruning stuff, okay? <laughs> God, can I have a week off from pruning? It's been a hard week last week. Um, that's not how pruning works. That's not how, the, that's not how parents care for kids. That's not how a potter works with the clay. That's not how the gardener works with the vine. So we can't say, I'm done, it's over. The process doesn't happen all at once, but it happens over a period of a lifetime. So I want you to just today, as I mentioned at the beginning, I just want to be, you to be thankful that 
you have a God, the Father, who cares enough to prune, that he wants you to look beautiful, and he wants the best for your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for pruning us so we can focus on those things that are most important to bear fruit in our lives. God, we thank you for cutting away those things in our lives through loss, pain, and challenges so we can refocus without retreating. God, we thank you for removing those things in our lives that don't bear fruit, that is, they're not helpful for ourselves or others. We thank you for caring so deeply for us that you won't leave us as we are, but you have something better in store for us. And through this pruning process, we want to live our lives for you. In your name, amen.